0: Baseball's great charm is that the action comes in spurts, which leaves plenty of time to spin yarns, look at the girls, and make wisecracks. Chaos. C-H-A-O-S. Critical hate and overwhelming stupidity. Hey, everybody, how are you? Welcome to another episode of Full Count Chaos. Hope you're enjoying the second half of Orioles baseball. We actually are watching winning baseball from the Orioles. I know that is hard to comprehend to say a sentence like that, Orioles and then end it with winning baseball. It's exciting. The second half of the Orioles so far since the All-Star break, they're 9 and 5. Wait, what did you say? So let's get excited. Let's have something to celebrate here. <laughs> 9 and 5. Since the All-Star break, we all enjoyed the All-Star watch, uh, All Star game watching Cedric Mullins. We watched Homer and Derby with Trey Mancini. And here we are with the Orioles' second half. We're all kind of rolling our eyes, going, oh, this ought to be interesting. And, hey, look at them go. Look at the Orioles having fun with a winning record right now as I'm recording this episode. And Matt Harvey, last two outings, looked great. Harvey, who had a 770 ERA in the first half. He's now thrown 18 and a third scoreless innings, giving up just eight hits in his last three starts. Harvey now 6 and 10, has lowered his ERA to 620. He struck out five and didn't walk a batter. What has he been doing that I've been seeing him do? Not a fucking clue, and I'm sure he doesn't either because he keeps getting asked, what have you done? And he just doesn't answer the question. (laughs) He just kind of does a... Gee, golly, I'm just glad I'm out there pitching. Because if he knew, he would continue to do it. <laughs> but it's a good it's a good thing, obviously, to see Matt Harvey get in the groove. We wish he would have done this last half of the season and got on a roll. Because if he did, probably would have been a little trading piece for old Elias. And if Matt Harvey is pitching like he did now in the first half, he probably wouldn't be here right now. So a little too late there, Harvey boy, but he's going to be with us the rest of the season. I I, I don't know what he's doing. I I, I listened to Palmer and uh, McDonald talk about him pitching. They have no clue. (laughs) Uh, By the way, I did want to apologize if you're hearing any sound like the the sound quality is different. Not bad, just different. Hopefully I, I never have bad sound quality. Uh, That's something that I definitely focus on. But I've been trying out, like, different mics, trying to get the right one, the right feel, the right sound. Um, If there's a real big issue or you're hearing a really bad sound quality, let me know. Hit me up. Anyway, love hearing from you guys anyway. uh, Fullcountchaos at gmail.com. Hit me up on Twitter. We uh, vent our frustration throughout the game. You can follow me on Twitter at fullcountchaos. Always love chatting with you guys during the game. Uh, one thing I haven't done in a couple weeks is uh, give you guys some, uh, you know, a heads up on any TV shows or movies out there that I've been watching. And I love hearing from you guys as well. Any suggestions, good shit to watch out there. Lord only knows if we're going to be on lockdown again. Jesus. I don't want to talk about that right now. But anyway, I just like to bring up a couple things. Uh, the re I, I haven't gotten any, uh, Good movies lately. I watched a couple. I'm going to give you a heads up on here in just a second, but I, I've been binging the show how it's made because I got the uh, Discovery Plus app. I think I mentioned that a few weeks ago. Uh, I think it's got like the most content out of any app, streaming app out there right now. It's not no movies, just uh, every single freaking TV show that's ever been put on television. You can watch on there on the uh, Discovery Channel. But how it's made, so random. I mean, again, commercial-free. They're only like 15-minute episodes. Before you know it, you've been sitting there for three hours watching how they make baloney, toothpicks, and pantyhose. It's the most random shit. So anyway, I snapped out of it, and I said, all right, let's get some movies. My wife suggested a couple of them because we both like horror movies. Uh, The first one we watched, The Empty Man, Boy. What a piece of shit movie that was. Had so much potential to be great. That movie was terrible. And then the last 30 minutes just completely shit the bed. I mean, shit all over the bed. And the ending of a movie, it's funny how it can just completely ruin the whole, the last hour and a half. It's like Game of Thrones. Seven to ten years of people's lives. That last 20 minutes of the last episode of Game of Thrones just ruined it all. You don't hear anyone talk about Game of Thrones anymore. I mean, they just completely ruined it. It's so the same as a movie. So I would not suggest watching The Empty Man. Uh, what other one did we watch? came on Netflix. It was like a three-part series. It was three movies, each two hours long. What was it called? Fear Street. That uh, was okay. It was like a uh, teenage movie. It got weird, though. I, look, th- those teenage movies, th- like, like the... Um, Sex scenes, they get weird. Like, these actors who are really, like, 22, 23 years old, when they're playing 15 and 16-year-olds and you're watching a sex scene between the two, I don't know. That gets a little weird. But it's almost like the times are now back uh, in the 80s. Remember the 80s horror movies? There'd be sex scenes all the time with those high school kids. No problem. Ain't no thing, you know? 17-year-old girl having sex. Whatever. <laughs> but now... I don't know. My wife just kept going. In real life, she's nineteen. You know, in real life, she's twenty-two. I said, okay, I know. It's just still a little weird. They're playing a sophomore in high school, and, and they're in a sixty-nine position. Like, what? What am I? H- how do I handle this? But anyway, so Fear Street was okay. The Empty Man wouldn't waste your time. So that about sums it up for the uh, movies that I've watched the past couple weeks. Again, I, I'm still trying to finish the hundred and eighty-two seasons of how it's made i'm telling you such a simple show it's just a narrator and they hire somebody to go film some shit in a factory and show you how it's made if you want to know how light bulbs are made and pencil erasers tune in to how it's made and you'll uh, check it out also uh, this week i received an email from a gentleman he uh, broke it down explaining why it's important why scouting reports are important in baseball yeah of course they are, but he reminds us and gets very specific on why it's important. I'm going to get to that in just a little bit. Also, the trade deadline. Hope you guys enjoy trying to keep up with that. A lot going on. Uh, I think I was <laughs> it's the most I've scrolled on Twitter, and you know, I, I think since last year, the deadline. But we all knew that there wasn't oil players lined up that the other 29 teams were just dying to get. So we, a lot of us, were curious how the hell that was going to go down. Was Trey Mancini going to be on the team anymore? Mike Elias is one of the guys that have said, look, any player, if if you call us and the deal is right, that player is gone. It's business. Sean Armstrong to the Rays for cash. Okay. (laughs) I, I guess, look, the Rays definitely have their shit together when it comes to pitching. And they seem to know how to handle their pitchers over there. So I guess they saw something of Sean Armstrong. They're like, ah, fuck it. Let's pick him up. Give him a cash. Uh, give the Orioles cash and a couple new catcher's mitts. And uh, here's Sean Armstrong wearing the uh, Tampa Bay Rays jersey. He had an 855 ERA in 20 games with the Orioles. He wasn't lighting it up. So he goes down to A. Orioles are like, fuck this. You're no good. Figure your shit out down in Triple A." He goes down there. One and three, three eighteen ERA in fifteen games with the Tides. I don't know, but look, in three seasons with the Orioles, he was three and zero with a five thirty four ERA, four saves, and altogether he was four and two with a four sixty five ERA in seven seasons with the Orioles, Cleveland, and Seattle. Well, the Rays said, "Look, we need a pitcher who I don't know, kind of (laughs) stinks. They need a new project. They're getting bored over there." Like, bring somebody over that that we really need to work on. And I think I made a joke on Twitter saying, look, in a few weeks we're going to be seeing MLB Network do a big segment on uh, how great Sean Armstrong has pitched for the Tampa Bay Rays. It's incredible showing how he's struck out, like, eight batters in three innings, and he hasn't given up a hit in over 12 innings. You know, whatever. You just know that's probably how it's going to go down. Because the Tampa Bay Rays, they just need a new project. And they're like, ah, let's bring on uh Charm- Sean Armstrong. So good luck to you, buddy. And then Freddie Galvis went back to the Phillies for the Oils, received um what they receive? A twenty three year old right handed reliever, Tyler Birch from Philly. You know, top thirty prospect for the Phillies playing high ball. He's pitching with the uh two forty five ERA point zero uh or zero point eight whip. I don't know. Phillies apparently like Galvis's numbers. 249 average, 306, 414. All right. Well, off to the Phillies. You know, Urias saw this and was like, hey, let's do it. Let's get this shit started. Because he knew this means now he's going to be staying put, which he should anyway. I mean, Hyde's definitely spoken highly of Urias lately, and he, and he should in 50 games. He's batting 277 with four home runs, 24 RBIs. He's doing well. And again, if you uh, remember, he was claimed off waivers from St. Louis back in February of 2020. So Urias is thinking, all right, let's 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 get this party started. Freddie, you are a great guy, but you're gone now. Now it's my time to shine. <laughs> so there you <laughs> have it. Freddie and Armstrong heading off into the sunset. The big trade for the Orioles. And us Oriole fans, we're just sitting back watching the East teams give away all their top prospects. while well, our top prospects... Are getting stronger and they're coming up in the big leagues. Like, yeah, go ahead, sell away or give away whatever. Not sell. All these teams are buyers. We're the only. <laughs> We're the only seller in the East. The Yankees. What they do? They gave. Uh, they picked up Gallo and Rizzo. Uh, what was it between Gallo and Rizzo. It was six prospects on the top thirty for Rizzo. It was a uh, number nine and number twelve pitcher and outfielder. Four prospects for Gallo. All top 30, one at six, one at eight. You know, hey, why not bring in a, uh, a 220 power hitter? Left-handed hitter, of course, in that stadium. They love their left-handed power hitters. My God, that Yankees lineup. It's going to be either a shit ton of strikeouts or a shit ton of home runs. Probably both, but they definitely went for it. Uh, Blue Jays gave up a couple top prospects for Barrios. I don't blame them. Barrios is a beast. And one of the names we're familiar with, Austin Martin, the number five overall pick from last summer's draft. A lot of Oil fans were mad that Elias didn't pick. I'm pretty sure that was one of the names that I thought were going to get picked and I I was impressed with. So he goes to the Twins, and I did see a lot of the uh, Twitter chatter that they're glad that Austin Martin won't be in the East because we don't have to see him 19, 20 times and be reminded probably over and over why Elias should have picked him hitting home runs in Cannon Yards left and right. (laughs) And then the A's, they they picked up uh, Marlin center fielder, Starlin Marte, Trevor Story. He was pissed. I thought for sure Trevor Story was going somewhere. Um, He obviously wanted to get the fuck off the shitbag Rockies team. He didn't like how all this was handled because there's a lot of rumors and discussions and shit going on with his agent. He's still in the Rockies, and he's like, fuck this, I am not happy. What happened? So <laughs> he was the one sitting there pouting, not liking how all this uh, all these trades went down. And, of course, the uh, Nationals trading away Scherzer and Trey Turner. The Dodgers can thank the Orioles for that. <laughs> that was fantastic. Oh, that was fun. Uh, but basically, you know, seeing all these trades happen, It just got me a little excited, hoping that, you know, it'll be fun again when the Orioles become that team that's looking to grab that one pitcher that sends them over the top. You know, like in 2014, Andrew Miller uh, for uh, (laughs) Eduardo Rodriguez. Well, of course, now we're kind of like, I don't know about that. But look, man, I still think in 2014, the Orioles were the best team in baseball. I know everyone says, well, not so fast, Nate. They didn't win the World Series and they got beat by the Royals. Okay, the Royals just got weird hot. At the right time, like everything worked out for them. Every blue pit, the ball bounced their way. I mean, the wind was blowing just right. It was bullshit. The Orioles were the best team in baseball in 2014. Anyway, so it'll be fun again when the Orioles get to be that uh, be that team again, trying to pick up that one or two players, those one or two players to get them over the top. So we can make a run. All right, this is gonna take about 15 seconds. Just want to remind you guys to download the free app, Spotify Green Room app, getting a lot of good feedback about it. It's a live free audio social media platform for sport fans. That's a good start. Start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. You can also talk with other sport fans, insiders, and athletes, and executives. In real time. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app, create a profile, link your Twitter, boom, you're done. That's it. Enjoy Spotify Green Room app. Yeah, Washington Nationals. When I was talking about Scherzer and, and Trey Turner getting traded and how fun that was, the Orioles, the Orioles swept those dick bags, causing them again to sell Scherzer and Turner to LA. I mean, look, the Nats were right on that line. Right on that line, all those national reporters and writers saying all they got to do is if they go in and sweep the Orioles are two out of three because they're such a bad team. I think the Nationals are going to be buyers because they're right there. They're they're only they were only like three and a half out of the division before they came to Camden Yards, and they probably thought you know a quick three wins. Boy did the Orioles just shit all over their plans, and I loved every single second of it. <laughs> I've explained shit probably. <laughs> Past few years, once an episode, I remind everyone of I, how much I just don't like the Nationals. I don't like their fan base. I don't like anything about them. Everyone can eat shit. Boy, the uh, couple friends that are National fans, (laughs) they they haven't talked to me lately. I haven't heard from them. I tried to start a conversation with them, a gentle conversation. I didn't send them texts and be like, nanny, nanny, boo, boo, your team sucks. I just said something like, hey, just checking up on you. Are you okay? (laughs) Crickets. Didn't hear anything. But Sunday, I mean, walked off the Nationals. With Zimmerman, look, the National fans, people are like, man, National fans, they they always pack in the house at Camden Yards. They travel well. What do you mean travel well? Some of them only drive five minutes, and they put on their Nationals t shirt and then when the Orioles start doing well, they're going to start putting on their Orioles T-shirts. So don't give too much credit to National fans coming in Camden Yards. Oh, what a what a big travel to go, you know, root on their team forty minutes down the Beltway. But when Zimmerman hit that three home run, uh, three run home run on Sunday to go up four to three, yeah, Camden Yards was pretty loud. There's a lot of Nat fans there, and you're watching this, you're like, shit. You know, it was three to one. I think it was the seventh inning, and the Orioles were 0-51 <laughs> when trailing after eight innings, and that's exactly what happened. Nash and Orioles were down 4-3. to three. Uh, Washington, would they bring in their closer, Brad Hand, who saved two games against the Orioles in May? So you're thinking, all right, here he goes. And, you know, the Orioles, they just get clutch hits. McKenna gets over to third. Apparently, obviously, he's running on contact. Now, McKenna, I just, I hope he plays more and more because, and I've said this since day one of being a baseball fan, you get speed on the bases, shit happens. Even your routine throws to first, from shortstop, second base, whatever, you pick it, whatever infield position, that guy is hauling ass down first, shit happens. They hurry the throw, it goes, sails to the left, sails to the right, speed, will fuck up the pitcher. They'll mess up the infielders. You want speed on the base paths. He hit it to third base, and McKenna was obviously running on contact, and I thought right then and there. I said, nope, he's out. He should have been out by at least four steps, but because McKenna's so damn fast, the throw got all jacked up. McKenna slides. He's safe. End of game. Orioles win 5 four congratulations and celebrations and at this point McKenna is much better than DJ Stewart you got to put McKenna in more than Stewart I mean even with the bat DJ Stewart's not lighting it up anymore I get McKenna's not look he has a big hole in his swing he needs to work on shit but at this point the Orioles can't afford to keep putting DJ Stewart in the outfield D.J. Stewart has one of the worst blooper reels playing outfield for the Orioles in the past couple years. I mean, the other night, Wednesday night, was probably the worst throw I have ever seen a professional ball player try to throw from home to home plate from shallow right field. It was embarrassing, and I wasn't even playing. I wasn't the one who threw it. I was watching the game, and I was embarrassed. It looked like he was throwing a 20-pound Dumbbell weight. That's what I would look like if I was holding a 20 pound dumbbell weight and shallow right field. And I was trying to throw it to home plate. That's what it would have looked like. <laughs> and I think Pedro like stuck his foot out just to stop it from like barely rolling. It wouldn't have even made it to home plate. Pedro had to take like 10 steps in the infield towards the pitcher's mound to go pick up the ball it was a it was terrible terrible throw. What the fuck? And they replayed it and it was so damn funny because Palmer and Kevin Brown, pretty sure it was Palmer. They you could hear Kevin Brown kind of going did the ball did the ball stick to his hand and Palmer says no I think he just you know accidentally threw it straight to the ground. Well they replayed it everything looked fine. The ball released out of DJ Stewart's hand like a normal throw but it just didn't do anything but hearing both of them just stay quiet for like a solid five seconds it was everybody's reaction like how the what the how did that ball not even make it to home plate he was in shallow right field it's just amazing and of course the infamous play him diving for the ball in left field and you know he dives and 10 minutes later the ball hits him in the head and Earlier this season, he's going for a routine fly ball, and he just trips and falls. He's a fucking hot mess. He's an absolute hot mess. And the camera was on Jorge right after that play. And I know no matter what happens, okay, pitchers, sometimes they have to watch their uh, defenders make so many errors and cause them to pitch to three or four extra batters when they should have been out of the inning. But no matter what The pitcher, you're not supposed to give him looks. You're not supposed to say anything. It happens. You're a team. Shit happens. But Jorge, they put the camera right on Lopez because he was pitching that night, and he (laughs) looked right at DJ, and you could see him smile, like a half smile, like, what the hell was that? Because that caused Jorge Lopez to get an earned run. And trust me, I get it. McKenna's batting 198. Look, DJ... (laughs) DJ Stewart isn't exactly lightened up. Okay, I have DJ Stewart's uh, numbers here. 206, seven home runs, 24 RBIs, 670 OPS. Now, remember, he's terrible when it comes to playing in the field. McKenna, who's fast, can steal bases, It's good at defense. He's batting 198, one home run, six RBIs. So, 570 OPS. I don't care. I don't care what the batting number. When it, when you're talking offense, whatever, the, the, they're both... Wishy-washy. Okay, yeah, DJ's probably going to give you a few more home runs than McKenna, but get him out of the outfield. No more with that bullshit. But Nat fans were fucking pissed. Pissed that they got swept. I'm sure, you know, top to bottom, Nationals, front office, back office, side office, whatever office, they were pissed too. Nobody saw that happening. Coming into Camden Yards, getting swept by the worst team in baseball who has a 0% chance. Of making the playoffs. (laughs) You guys have 0.0% chance of making the playoffs. So anyway, they try to take that momentum. Here comes Miami. Okay. They lose seven to three. All right. So we learned that night that Spencer Watkins is human. Four innings pitch, nine hits, (laughs) four earned runs. Did have a strikeout. There you go. Anyway. So let's move on from that. It's going to Wednesday. Got to play the Marlins one more time. And I mean, that was just a wild game. Just a weird game. Back and forth, back and forth all night. I think it was like 7-5 to by the third inning. Jorge Lopez continues to be a head case. He, He matches his shortest outing of the season that night. Two innings. Hasn't completed the fifth in his last six starts. And out of nine, he's only completed once. Him and Tanner Scott, they need to go to therapy and figure this shit out. So that night, two innings pitch, seven hits, five earned runs by the second inning. Two walks. All right. Got two strikeouts. a boy. I almost tuned out. I, I don't know what it was in my gut that night. I just said to myself, nope, stay tuned. Something fun's going to happen. I don't know why I said that. I shouldn't have thought that. <laughs> well, I was right. My gut was right. McKenna comes up in the bottom of the ninth. Base is loaded. Tie game. And he doesn't swing at ball four. And (laughs) obviously, that's never happened to McKenna before. You could tell because his reaction when it went ball four, he just kind of put down the bat and like shrugged his shoulders, put his hands up, was like, okay. And he just kind of walked to first base. He was the first for O since Seth Seth Smith. Always had a problem saying that name. Uh, April 26, 2017 versus Tampa Bay. Same thing happened to him. Ball four, bases loaded, Orioles win. Uh, the 22nd in club history, 21 different players have recorded a walk off walk and Brady Anderson being the only player with two. So <laughs> McKenna joins the list with Brady Anderson. But yeah, th- that ball four, it wasn't like it was just on the outside and, you know, the umpire, you know, could have gone either way. No, the, I mean, he almost threw it in, almost hit McKenna's back foot when he threw it. But again, McKenna's just <laughs> almost had that look like. Uh, I I guess this means we win, right? I'm just, I'm going to walk the first. And of course they rip his shirt off and he's walking around like Fabio. You know, I mean, come on, come on, Ryan. We know what you're doing. It took him about an hour and a half to walk back to the dugout with his shirt off. All right, come on. You know, we, we get it. You're working out. We get it. We we see the muscles that you're working on. So that was fun. There we go. We're, We're still having fun. Detroit series Thursday. Uh, that was frustrating. I'm sure you've watched just enough baseball to know when things aren't going to work out as early as the first inning. Now, every now and then shit happens in the first inning with the Orioles and they'll be losing and they'll come back and win. It happens every now and then. But games like where Cedric Mullins starts the game with a stand up triple and then they don't get a run <laughs> after a double and a walk in the same inning. That's when you know shit's not going to work out. Something's just good. It's something about that night where you're like, nope, I'm going to go do something else. Maybe turn on the Olympics, see what's happening over there. The Orioles wind up losing six to two. And it, it pissed me off because when Cedric Mullins is on third base and look, in, in the first inning, you score a run or two. that That's big momentum. The first pitch to, uh, who was it? Hayes up in his hands. I don't know why he always goes for those pitches. Hayes has been going for a lot of pitches that are not, even near the strike zone lately. Hopefully he gets out of that. I shouldn't be shit talking about him because he's been doing pretty well lately. But, you know, hits one right back to third base. Mullins can't go anywhere. And then Mancini's approach. I hate shit. I feel really bad even see anything bad about him. But his approach was bad. It was like the next pitch. And on his hands, he hits right back to the pitcher. Causes Mullins to get in a run down. Mullins shouldn't have been running anyway. But they just. Had problems trying to hit Casey Mize. Number one draft pick for the uh, Tigers. And that, that's who they were uh, batting against. And you could tell why he was a number one draft pick. He was doing all right. You know, I, I I don't know. You see the lineup. You saw DJ Stewart batting clean up. So you had a feeling that wasn't going to go well. Of course, Cabrera, Miguel Cabrera. I, I don't know what him and David Ortiz, what they're drinking, what they're taking. I don't know what the uh, uh, baseball uh, drug labs are not picking up on these guys. He hits two home runs like it's nothing. The guy, I mean, just watching Cabrera play baseball reminds you that it's just a kid's game with adults playing and getting paid a shit ton of money because he just has fun. As much as I, I I don't like Pedro Severino, I don't I don't think he's a good catcher. I, I'll I'll be happy when he leaves the team. But he's another player, I got to say, that just loves playing the game. He's always smiling. He's always laughing. So, you know, in a way, yeah. Am I going to miss Pedro Severino? Actually, no, I think about it. No, I won't. But anyway, those two guys, guys like that, you can tell, they just they just love the game. They're having fun. And then Friday and Saturday, both games, Detroit that the Orioles wind up winning, I missed. Friday I had my mom's birthday. Kept looking at my phone, sitting around the table, ninth inning, cussing. Because I'm like, bases loaded, no outs. Oh, my God, the Orioles are going to blow it. Uh, Tanner Scott's back to being a fucking head case. I'm sitting at the table cussing when people are telling beautiful stories about how wonderful our mom is. But I'm sitting there going, shit, damn it, fuck. (laughs) My dad was trying to do the same thing. That's the game that Matt Harvey pitched, uh, season high, six and a third innings. That was fantastic. So the Orioles, of course, wind up winning that game. Fucking Tanner Scott, Cole Sulser had to come out and save Tanner Scott's butt, and he had to do it again the next night. Tanner Scott did the same fucking thing, loaded the bases. Uh, come, uh, what was it? It was uh five to one at that point. Comes out, loads the bases, no outs. Cole Sulser, okay, he gave up one because it was a hit to first base, and then after that, struck out the next two guys. And I think I said Tanner Scott Friday night bottom of the ninth. No, he he bottom of the eighth. But Cole Sulcer came in uh, back-to-back games, bottom of the ninth, took care of business, looked good, looked real good. Uh, John Means, of course, just had a great outing again. I mean, what what are you going to say about John Means? Old Johnny, six innings pitch, six strikeouts, one walk, one earned run. They win five to two. But Tanner Scott's last seven batters that he's faced, triple, single, hit by pitch, walk, walk, hit by pitch, walk. He's got the yips. Something's going on. And I hope he can figure it out. It's so weird, these pitchers that we see come on the Orioles. They got such great stuff. But then they just, something gets in their head. It's like Jorge Lopez. I've said for a long time. Look, if they ever put him in the bullpen, he's going to be a great reliever. Obviously, because, you know, after (laughs) seeing the lineup second or third time, he shits the bed. But he's got great stuff. He's got a 98 fastball that tails. I mean, come on. It's got movement on it. So if the Orioles hang on to him and he they put him in the bullpen, I think he's going to be very successful. Again, he's just got great shit. So does Tanner Scott, but he's just got to get out of his own head. I don't know what the hell is going on there. And speaking of him, I meant to get to this email last week, but I had a guest on. We were kind of rolling. I wasn't really sure where to fit it in, but I, I want to get to this. A uh, gentleman by the name in his email, C. Kessinger, always sends in some good stuff. Always like hearing from him. Uh, this one, he wanted to note on why scouting reports are so important to the game today. He said, Austin Meadows with the walk-off in today's game. Again, this was July 21st when he was talking about when Tanner Scott unfortunately gave up the uh, walk-off. Of course, that was to the Rays. But he wanted to write in and, and just give an example of, you know, why scouting reports are you know 100% important. And he really broke it down. So here's what the email says. It says, Tanner went four seam, four seam, slider, four seam. Now, this is how he breaks it down. He says, Tanner Scott's whiff rate on his slider is 52% compared to only 25% to his four seam. Again, remember, he only threw the slider once out of those four pitches. And he goes on to say, Austin Meadows is batting this season 239. Against the slider and 250 against the four seam. Austin Meadows also whiffs against the slider 4% more than the four seam fastball. You follow me, kids? I mean, he's breaking it down. I'm loving it. He says Austin Meadows' run value is seven for the four seamer versus three over the slider, meaning out of facing 100 pitches of that pitch type. You can expect him to drive in seven runs for 100 fastball pitches and three runs in 100 slider pitches. He says, so why, Ty- why Tanner Scott wouldn't throw a slider outside of the zone or low in the zone to tempt Alston Meadows, chase the pitch is beyond me, he says. He wraps it up with the numbers show his slider should have been the choice in that situation says Earl Weaver was a master at exploiting matchups and using a player's strength in situations like this and teaching his players how to do so. Fantastic email. And he's exactly right. I don't know. You would think that these players, because they take off their hat and they look in their brim and it has a little breakdown card of, which batter is 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 uh you know their um their kryptonite and so forth. I mean, you'd think they have all of that ready to go, especially when they know Tanner who they're he's going to be facing coming up in that in those innings. So yeah, after seeing him break it down like that, why the fuck would he throw that pitch? Why would he throw or why wouldn't I? Is what I'm trying to say. Why wouldn't he throw a slider outside of the zone or low in the zone like he says? Chase that pitch, man. Instead, four-seam, four-seam, slider, four-seam. Makes no sense. But you would think that the Oros have all that shit together, and they would know it. You know, maybe that's on Pedro. Pedro's calling a bad game. <laughs> wow. Wouldn't that be a shocker? So that's a great email. And again, I love like how Zach was doing. He was just breaking it down. Well, this guy sends me an email, just breaks it down. I love it. So thank you for that. That was a very entertaining email, and I just love hearing from you guys. Fullcountchaos at gmail.com. A lot of great shit that comes in. Again, hit me up on Twitter as well, at Full Count uh, Chaos. So anyway, hope you all are having a good week. We continue to watch some successful second-half Warriors baseball. So let's see what happens. Till next time.